Welcome to another episode of the Self-Doubt Solution, the show that helps entrepreneurs overcome the self-doubt that holds them back from achieving the next level of success, income, and personal freedom. The Self-Doubt Solution is hosted by the freedom architect, Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share practical insights and tools that help you find the shortcuts for exponential growth and success in all areas of your life. Learn how to build the mindset you need to create a life of true abundance, freedom, and fulfillment. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, my dear friends. This is Mario Lanzarotti, the Freedom Architect, your host for the Freedom Solution today, coming with you for the solution that will help you remove self-doubt from your life. Welcome to the Self-Doubt Solution. Today, I have the honor of interviewing a dear brother, Joshua Lee, who's known as, hold tight, the dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. Now, let's just marinate that on your your tongue because that's a beautiful thing, and I've never heard that. Joshua is an entrepreneur, an author, business owner, coach, a marketer, and those are amazing things. But those are secondary things because he is a real one. He's a human being who walks the talk, who has had a very pivotal moment when he was 34 years old, where most people would say, you know what? I've had it. I've tried this entrepreneurial thing. It's just not for me. And Joshua, with only a thousand bucks to his name, said, this is my moment. This is where I decide to become bigger than what my external circumstances are telling me. And there's so much more, which I will let Joshua take away. Joshua, welcome to the show. Mario, man, uh, honored to be here, honored to be able to be listened to by, you know, everyone on this podcast um, and today to be able to just have a conversation with you, my friend. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor. And Joshua, as we set the stage for the listeners to look into what they can withdraw from this conversation Can you tell us, how can you help someone who's listening? What can you do for them? The biggest thing that I think that I can do for someone is really to be able to share my story, share my experiences, right, of where I've been, what I've gone through, and to be able to hopefully help them maybe step over some of the gaps that I had created in my life that caused pause, right? And maybe I do cause pause in their life. But I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, for me, each and every day, it's being helped them to be able to be human online again. That's the biggest thing I think most people miss out on. We have this so so these two lives that we try to live, this online life and this in real life or this work life and this personal life. And we have to remember it's one life and we have to live it that way. When we start doing that, the flow that allows this energy to go through us and to be able to actually really affect this world, not only for us, but around us becomes amazing. Mm. I got goosebumps. I love that. So I can see that you clearly have reached a higher level of consciousness with all of these things that you've experienced in your life. And we're going to have a juicy conversation and I want to extract all of that wisdom from you. And I want to ask you now, you just said that the most important thing is the human connection. And it so often gets lost in the online world and in the offline world there seems to be two different types of personas that we put forward and i want to ask you 
when was the time where you were not being that human on both of those screens? When was the time where Joshua was struggling to actually embody the words that you just shared with us? You know, that's a great question, Mario. And it, it pulls me straight into my heart immediately, right? Because I, you, you can feel those moments in time that we've all experienced and kind of gone through. And for me, it was honestly a, what everyone considered my peak of success. And, you know, mm. and I, the air quotes, if you're watching the video, because success is determined a lot of times in this world by monetary value. And I had that monetary value running multiple different companies, six, seven, and eight figures. But I was inauthentic because what I was portraying, what I was taught not to be able to show the cracks, what I was going through, how I was dealing with things, you know, the sadness I was going through, I was taught to be able to be what people need. I, they, I was told what people needed, right? What they needed to see. They didn't need to see that. They didn't need to see someone that was successful. It creates a massive gap between me and them and what I was actually doing and that, that real connection, that relationship. And for me, during those times, Mario, I mean, hell, I was 40 pounds overweight, never been overweight in my life. My relationships were monetary and I had no vision about where I was going. I just knew where I was at and everything was about making that almighty dollar. And that was one of the biggest disconnects that I had that I was being unauthentic. And I mean, I remember the time and this was after, after and we're going deep already. And, and you know, it's, it's right after, you know, my son and my daughter were born and I wanted to be better for this world. And for me, it was to be able to create more impact, not just monetize it. I was really good at monetizing this world. And when I made that shift and I was having relationship issues in my, in my past marriage and things of that nature. And I remember at one point I always had my office doors open and I always wanted, you know, especially when I worked at home, I wanted my kids to be able to hear everything I said. Cause if I couldn't say it in front of them, I shouldn't say it at all. Mm. And at a certain point, Mario, those office doors closed and, you know, that office became not only a sanctuary for me, for my, my life, my real life, but also a coffin that I would actually stare at the wall, contemplating my own life and if I should still be on this world or not. And that was one of pivotal, pivotal moment for me that really shifted a lot of my perspective. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I'm curious, you know, what you are describing, I'd say, is the daily reality for so many people out there that are on this entrepreneurial path. And you have all this great insight now that you are looking back and you're connecting the dots. And I'm curious, what would you say were some of the signs that you were experiencing, maybe in the beginning? Because what I'm looking for is how can we support someone who's on trajectory to hit this wall for them to wake up before hitting the wall? What yeah. were some of the signs for you that, you know, you were experiencing and you might've said at that point, ah, whatever, whatever, you know, not right now. Yeah. I mean, look, there were, there were different aspects, right? I, I mean, for me, it was becoming unhealthy. Like if we don't, you know, first and foremost, if we start becoming living an unhealthy lifestyle, how can we actually be the people that we need to be able to create change or to be able to add value or to be able to do these things to run a business if you don't feel healthy enough to be able to do it for yourself? And I mean, for me, that's where it was. I mean, when I started going into and I realized that I was 
complicating and trying to push down. I didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't want to tell my family the hard things that I was going through because I felt like it was as an entrepreneur, as a, as a man, I'm told that I have to bear that weight. I don't put that on others. I don't let anyone else see that. That's the first thing. As soon as you start making that statement, like, well, I can't tell anyone else because I can't, put, it's all on me. I'm like Atlas, right? You know, being able to hold the entire world on my back and being able to push the rock. And that's one of those first steps. And I mean, like, especially too, once you start getting that, I mean, Mario, I, you know, I was going out with my friends every night. I was, I was, you know, it's the work hard, play hard kind of scenario, right? I'm working as hard, this work-life balance, you know, BS that's out there. And my, my, my party life, I was out almost every night, five, six nights out of the week. You know, I was, I was drinking, there was drugs involved. There was things like that because I was trying to be able to find a way of a release, yeah. not actually letting anyone know truly what was happening. That was some of my first signs. As soon as I started holding back who I was, I didn't want anyone to see the real Joshua B. Lee. Mm. Man, I can relate so much to what you just said. And, you know, for the listeners, extracting here what Joshua is saying is that one of the biggest signs that something is off is when you have something that you're experiencing that is uncomfortable, that, is, that weighs on you, and you're like, nah, I can't tell anybody this. And I'm wondering, what was the story that was in your mind that made you say, I can't tell anybody this? What is it that had you, if I did tell people this, what, what, do you, what did you fear might have happened? Well, and that's the whole piece, right? Especially as entrepreneurs, the first thing we think is we tell anyone that we're not as amazing as we think we are, as, or as, you know, again, this is that biggest thing. Our perception of someone else's perception of us is what drives us crazy. And that's a key factor. We have no clue what someone else's perception is. Oh. My perception of what their perception of me was, the story that I was telling myself in the head, right? I was this person that people went to to be able to, and if I showed them that I wasn't perfect, perfect, like what the, what is perfect? There is no, we're all perfectly imperfect. And yeah. that story in my head, like I would lose business. I would lose opportunity. I wouldn't be able to support my family. I wouldn't be able to, do the things that I need to be able to do. I wouldn't be able to grow my business. And I mean, that's all BS brother. I mean, like it's, it's all it's doing is, is um, placating what's really happening and actually making the situation much, much, much worse. Yeah. Yeah. If people found out who I really was, they wouldn't trust me anymore to do business with them. Exactly. Right. And, and do you, can you share, are you, are you okay sharing with, if you know that, where that came from in your own life? Because usually I find these things go back to the childhood when something happens and then yeah. we make a decision in an unconscious moment, you know, people only like me if I'm this way. And normally they don't like me. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I've very blessed. I mean, both my parents, you know, loved me. I, I didn't have like a, a traumatized childhood that, that, that some people do have to go through in this life, but there are certain things that I learned. Like my father, he didn't let things, you know, stop him. He didn't want anyone to know that there were things that were wrong. And I mean, I was an only child, right? So there was always different aspects that kind of went through my head on how I communicated or interacted with others. Um, and, you know, I remember growing up and we were upper middle class. And I mean, my father had lost a job at 14. He was actually, when I was 14, and I mean, he was, 
really doing you executive VP of a company, all these other things. Now there's two things that I, I learned, right? We didn't change lifestyle too much, but we started being able to try and hold, you know, really not spend so much, but I had to get a job. And then two, my father went through and also did whatever it took. He went from an EVP to working on a company circuit city to selling, um, sightings to help selling 18 wheelers, right? Until he got another job and worked his way back up to an early retirement. But, you know, he didn't let it stop him. And like that, that whole piece of never letting someone stop you. Or I remember times too, like, you know, playing basketball with my father, right? Like that was a big thing that we always did. Like if I wasn't up in there and like, you know, no matter what age group we were playing against, if I wasn't as physical and as, as, you know, aggressive as he was in there, he afterwards, like, what the hell, you know, what are you doing? So these things kind of, even they aren't directly related because he wasn't, no one in my family was that entrepreneurial way, but those things still transfer over as children. And we go, oh, well, we've got to be strong. We've got to be aggressive. We've got to be forward. We can't show weakness, right? As we continue to be able to push through life. And then we just, as we get older, we kind of take those and go, oh, well, so plug in here. This, this makes sense. Different situations, different everything. And we don't, the sins of the father, right? You know, are bared down to the children. Now, Again, I love my father. He's one of the most amazing individuals in my life. And he's kind of come back. We've had these conversations on how things were and how he is now. And I'm very blessed to be able to have that. But yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing that. And, and, and I can relate. You know, there's these, there's these imprints on our childhood that take place on an, on an unconscious level in, in, in the work that I do. What I see is at some point, you know, I believe we come into the world whole and complete. We have everything we need. We're completely equipped. Where if you look at children, you know, they're the most curious, confident, courageous, and open beings you find anywhere. You know, they have no problem dancing naked on, on butt naked on the table in front of strangers, and everyone goes, ah. I was that kid. Right? <laughs> but today, you'd only potentially do that if you are drunk out of your mind. And then the next day you're going, oh, my God, oh, my goodness, I did that. I can't believe it. But a child doesn't do that. A child doesn't have their egoic nature developed. So they're just open. You know? And at some point, a, a, a parent comes and says, no, don't do that. And they do it with a loving intention because they think they're protecting the child. And often they do. And so the child in that moment perceives this moment of, of loss of power because it's in, a, in its expression. And then someone comes, cat, stop. And that forms a form of trauma where the child doesn't know, the mind doesn't know how to respond. The body is frozen in the moment in time. And so yeah. that's where these coping mechanisms are born. These coping mechanisms that people like you and I, you got to succeed. If you're the best, if you're perfect, this will never, ever happen again. You'll never ever, ever experience this deep shame and guilt at that moment if you become perfect, if you... and or that like, like people be, develop these incessive controlling instincts. If you look forward to the future, you, you're going to predict what's coming, you will never get hurt again. Yeah. Right? Have you, have you experienced that yourself? Man, I mean, again, I look at every scenario. I mean, as it kind of goes through, the way that my mind works is, is in that scenario. Because I mean, again, um, high ADHD, being able to take in lots of information, I mean, it was always, as long as I control the situation, I control the narrative. Yeah. I will always control the outcome, right? I know that whatever situation I can go into, I can think about 50 different scenarios and then choose the right path. That's going to be, that's going to be the perfect path. Yeah. 
Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, like, again, that's not living life. That's being in a control, like this restricted and it's just exhausting. Yeah. So I want to ask you this, this controlling mechanism that you just described, I'm assuming it created a lot of monetary success in your life by what society determines as successful in business. You work yourself excessively into certain scenarios and you got certain results. Now, do you, can you explain at what point you found that this kind of mindset, this kind of approach was no longer conducive to creating more growth and expansion in your life with, with the aid of your business? You know, for me, I think a lot of it, I was kind of um, two, two factors kind of happened in my life. Um, one, I, I found another group uh, of entrepreneurs that I connect with. It was a group called Maverick 1000 um, with a good friend of mine, Yannick Silver. And it was amazing to be able to, to connect with other people that were high functioning, you know, strong entrepreneurs, and, but also were able to affect this world on a great scale positively, not monetarily. And before that, Mario, I can tell you, like growing up as a kid all the time, I always felt outside looking in. And no matter what scenario I could be, you know, I played football, I was on the, you know, I was top, you know, my class of students and things like that, but I never fit in because mm. I never allowed myself. And I, I had the story playing in my head at the same time, but I never allowed myself to fit in. But at the same time, I never felt those true connections with other people when I, because when I shared who I was, it always affected people. And I always saw more emotion than I, I expected back. And I was like, Hey, this is who I really am. It was easier for me just to say, hey, I'm like you. Let me fit in. And I understood how people worked. And so when I found this group, and it's kind of amazing, the first time I met with them was on Necker Island with Richard Branson and being able to meet someone like him and spending you know, time with him, it shifted my perspective on what was actually possible, the type of people out there. Because before, what I did, what I, what I, what I monetized, people were around me in my circle, even some of my friends that I grew up with, because of the money that I had. And they were okay with being able to be around me because I made the money and they could do that. I didn't surround myself with like-minded individuals that were looking to be able to push themselves. And so for me, that was a big shift. That was when I started realizing there was better opportunities in this world than the way that I was going about it. And I didn't have to hide who I was because before that, I was always told, even with my, with my former you know, in-laws, they didn't want to hear about the business of success. Right. Because again, there, it, it was like, oh, well, I don't mind the money, but I don't want to hear you talk about your success, what you're doing, what's going on. And so it made me self-conscious of what I was doing too. I couldn't, I had to become someone different. So until I realized there's other people that are like unapologetically themselves, it was freeing. I mean, like, I'm going to tell you, Richard Branson is unapologetically himself, no matter where he is all the time. People are like, look, and that's where I learned people are going to love you or hate you no matter what. That's how we make decisions. I'm like, we make decisions emotionally to some degree. They're going to love or hate you to some degree, not hundred percent one way or the other, right? If you are indifferent towards people, you're creating content online that's indifferent. You're just wasting your own time. You're wasting someone else's. And we live, most of us go through this life trying to be indifferent towards everyone yeah. to not affect you one way or the other and try to squeeze the cracks. And once I realized that, 
I've changed. I love that. That's such a powerful reflection. And, and it, if we zoom out and if we take a look at the current state of the world, primarily you know, the Western world, the United States, society right now is exactly where you just described it it's exactly between this uh, don't step on anything just be super careful where you're going and then you have all these super explosive reactive scenarios with people that have just bottled all of that up and just blurt it out you have the extremes you have the far left you have the far right but there's no more balance there's no yeah. more integration of of left and right there's no middle way there's just these extremes and you are someone you've experienced as yourself, just like myself. I, I know you can very much relate to what I'm saying because you've, you've had that inner shift. And yeah. I'm curious, when was like one of the first times where you said to yourself, you know what, I've had it in terms of hiding and pretending that I'm this kind of a guy and that I don't talk about what's behind the scene. And you, even though your mind was saying, don't do it, oh my goodness, you still did it. And then you had like an epiphany, like an experience where you were like, wow, actually, this is totally different from what I expected. You know, there's probably different points in my life. I mean, I, I wrote my book, Balance is Bullshit, to be able to do that, to be able to share the stories more for me than anything, mm. right? To be able to go, look, you know, this is the things that I went through. But truthfully, not until after my divorce, you know, as you said, you know, I, I went through a, a life reset in my life where... You know, when I was contemplating, I had a friend of mine that gave me permission to be able to not only take my life back, but give my former hers and for us to be able to move forward. And I thought I had this release, right? And like my lawyers were like, oh, this is going to take three years with all the different companies. And I said, no, I, I, I literally closed down my businesses, walked away and I gave everything away to her. And I, as I, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, I started my life over with a little bit under a thousand dollars in my name and moved back in with my parents. Wow. I'm free. I can be able to do everything I want, but I still wasn't Mario because I was still lying to myself. I didn't even understand that I was actually still in a depressive state because I was still trying to tell myself. And again, it was that perception of other people's perception of me that was driving me crazy. And not till I went through, I still have the text. I went to some of my closest friends and I texted them and I said, man, I'm, I'm not doing well. I'm, I need help. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I just, I, I'm, I've been depressed and I really just need someone to understand that what I'm going through. And then I get immediate messages back, Mario, and they're like, no, we know we've been waiting for you, man. We've always been here. We're watching you and we got you. And the next day my life shifted. Opportunity was created. I opened up, I created uh, you know, opportunity with myself to be able to receive, right? Because I kept on trying to give and trying to give. I'm like, well, I've got to give more now because I've, I've let everything go. And so that was one of the biggest things that I remember in my life. And like those types of things, being able to go online for the first time, doing a Facebook live and just telling everyone, hey, guess what? Lost it all, gave it all away. I'm reset. This is who I am. This is where I'm started. Like that was my path. But it started from just letting the closest people to me know who already knew, like I was lying to myself. Like oh, no one knows I'm a, I, I can keep up the happy face. Look at me. Oh, she's running around. Dude, everyone knows if they truly care about you. They already know. They're just waiting for you to understand that they know as well. 
and for you to be able to have other people on that journey together. Man, I love that. So, 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 so good. And then, then you just dropped a little bit about freedom in there. What's your definition of freedom? Freedom for me is being able to wake up every day content of where I am and appreciating the moments of happiness that, that happen throughout our lives. Because most people look at freedom going, I want to be happy every day. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. You can't be happy 24-7. What we can be is content with what we have, appreciative of the moments, and really magnify the points of happiness that we achieve. And so to me, that's freedom, right? Being able to recognize those points of happiness, but being content with the things that I have each and every day going, today's my last day. I know that I've done the things that I need to do. Mm. I love that. And I also love that you just said that you, this idea of always being happy is elusive. You know, it's like you're a human being and you're a living, breathing being that goes through the cycles. You're part of nature, just like in nature, there are seasons. Yeah. You also have the seasons. And, you know, I want to challenge something. Let's see how you look at that. Yeah. Because I, I say the same thing that you say. And I often have people that are more at the beginning of their, of their growth journey. Like, yeah, but if I'm just happy with what I have and who I am, that means I'm going to settle. And I won't be able to, you know, to have the drive to create more, uh, more of the things that I want. What do you say to that? Now, I'll shift that, right? I'm not telling you want to be happy with what they have. I'm saying for them to be content and appreciate the things in their life that they have. I mean, look, I work with my kids every single day on appreciate the things that you have, right? Because if you do that, for me, like, you're not going to be complacent right? For most of us that are going through it, if we appreciate it, it opens up opportunity for more things to flow into our life, right? If we have this constant, and we talked about this a little while ago, right? This plan, this exact plan that we want to be able to do to achieve or what we, what we will have once we are, right? This is the biggest fallacy that most of us look at and are, are, are taught is once you achieve X, you will have Y. Well, no, then you're going to want Z. And I mean, that's <laughs> It continues to be this circle yes. that you continue to be able to go in. And sometimes once you just go look around and go, I mean, like you and I, right. When we got on this podcast this morning, I was, you, I was like, you asked me how I was, I said, I asked you where you're like, man, you know, breathing, beautiful day, you know, what, that was it. Right. It wasn't like, man, I'm amazing. Josh, these are things going on. Like you acknowledge the things that in your life that most of us take for granted. And that's the biggest thing, right? For the most part in our life, and we learned a lot of this through COVID was most of us take the little things in life for granted. And when you actually start acknowledging these things, it creates stop gaps in your life that allow you to pause and be able to create more opportunity, right? Because most of us times it's, it's so tightly packed from one moment to the next. And when you appreciate those gaps open up and allow more opportunity to flow in. Mm. spoken I like thought. a true sage <laughs> i agree i agree because this is what i often see is that people have this idea that 
if I appreciate what I have too much, I'll settle. Yet, if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense because the more you appreciate what you have, the happier you become, the more alive you are and where you are in that place. And then to me, it's like, isn't it only natural that at that time you choose to do even more of the things that you enjoy doing a lot? Yeah. Just yeah. like, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you look at professional um, uh, athletes, like I yeah. take the example of soccer players, like the, the Messi's and the Ronaldo's, like they're not playing for the money. Clearly not. They could stop. They could have stopped 10 years ago and they would be fine. But yeah. they play because they really, really love what they do. They're happy with what they're doing. They're, they're, they're full. They're alive in what they're doing. And, and that just enables you to, like you said, make space. And that yeah. space can be filled with more of the things that you enjoy doing. And I think where a lot of people get stuck is that what you said earlier is that they're lying to themselves. The reason they're in this hustle mode is because they're, they're doing something. They're in a business or they're in a relationship where they know that's not it. That's not it. They're living the should life. I should be doing this. I should be, I should be working this way. I should be working hard. And they're like, well, the moment I start actually appreciating more of myself and I start opening up the truth of what's happening, that means I need to, I need to dismantle this whole life that I've been living. And a lot yeah. of people are scared of that. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, and then there's two things I want to say. One first, I want to make sure everyone understands, you know, Mario only said soccer for me. I know it's blasphemy for him to to be, he's like, I'm like, wow. You know, like, don't, don't hate him because again, he knows football. So, you know, but at the same time too, my friend, you know, it's, you said something as well that really reminded me of, you know, a a fellow friend of ours and and a group that we're both associated with um, Amy Elizabeth Wong. She says, we need to stop figuring it out. We need to start feeling it out. Um, how do you feel it out? Right? This, is a, this is a big thing. People talk about is that you got to feel it. You know, I say, you know, what you feel has space to heal. And it's a very complex thing, especially for people like you and I that are brought to live in a world of good, bad. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, not so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fine. The vocabulary to even cultivate a sense of awareness of what's happening inside of us is so highly limited, which to many people, when they hear things that you say, they're like, what the hell does that even mean? No, they don't get it. But I mean, like the easiest thing is, right? I mean, like, look, I, I looked at, like, God gave us a gut, right? Mm-hmm. And like we, 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 so many times as human beings, we don't trust our gut. There's a reason why we talk about this all the time. And I mean, I tell my clients, I tell anyone that I work with, like, if it ever gets to a point that you're like, man, I got to get on a call with Josh again. Or if I've got to go in, if I've got to, if I want to, you know, bring someone on as a client and I go, oh, well, the money's there, but you know, we'll figure it out. Like, can you feel it in your gut? Like, that's the universe telling you that you're going the wrong way. That's the first thing you should look at, right? Like, yes, I understand our heart, our head, all these other things, but this one we can all feel is that building your gut. You're like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this, but, and like, 
right there. That's the feeling it out, right? If I, I tell anyone, like, you ever had that feeling in your gut? Like, oh, I got to talk to Josh again. Give me a heads up. Like, we need to either need to switch around or this is not working. And I'm fine with that because I never want anyone to show up to call. Hell, I don't want to show up to call. Like, getting on this podcast, I told you, I was like, man, I was excited. Someone called me up. They're like, hey, I need you to do something. I said, uh-uh. My gut says I need to be on this call with Mario this time. So, you know, this is what we're doing. I, I agree. The gut, the gut is such a such a strong indicator for the most effortless way of living your life. And in the beginning phase, I've experienced that that can be a little a little stumbling experience because you haven't you haven't trusted your gut enough to say, to feel it out and say, okay, I know that might my mind might come and say, oh, but I said no to this opportunity. You know, that could have been an, a good 10K now coming in. My gut is saying no, and now I'm saying no. And then you're like, oh, shit, was that the right decision? Oh, my God. You know, and you get that anxiety coming. The more you play with that, yeah. the, mo the more it gets into a place of alignment. I want to I wanna hear, you know, you said earlier, balance is bullshit. And what do you mean by that? What, because a lot of people will be like, what do you mean? Balance is bullshit. I am trying to build balance in my life. I've been paying thousands of dollars to this coach here. And, you know, it's, it looks like it's working, but. Uh... I feel balance is, you know, this work-life balance is uh, something that has been one of the biggest pains and travesties to a lot of people in this world, because they look at it going, I need to be able to find balance in my life. I get that there is balance, but. I look at it more as there's it's life integration, it's, mm. it's harmony, being able to, how do you actually have that? Because here's the whole thing, Mario, if you and I are sitting here, uh, standing up, talking to each other, having a conversation, you have two feet planted on the ground and I'm standing on one leg. Who's going to be able to last the longest standing there? I promise you, you integrated with the ground. You're going to be able to hold the conversation longer without me falling over, having to put my leg down. Now that's just those things, but like, working out, right? You have to have imbalance for growth, right? If you want to be able to grow muscles when you're working out, you've got to be able to push them to be able to come out of balance, to be able to then grow back bigger and stronger. And these are those little things that we have to look at. Like work-life balance. I say balance is bullshit just because it's a, it's a heavy word. It's a heavy word I found even more so for a lot of women that are going through this world that are, that are having and creating massive you know, career opportunities, and then also having to be able to go, well, I want to be a mother as well, right? Because the way that we we, we put it in this society is that, well, as soon as that woman wants to become a mother, she has to be able to stop her career. She can't be that. She has to be at home. Like my wife and I right now, I mean, like we are going through IVF and being able to create a new life together. And she is my partner in my business. And we are not figuring out, we're feeling it out, how to be able to make that happen. And that's not being able to find a balance. It's how do we actually integrate together to become stronger? And that's what I want the people to understand is like, if I say give a work life and a personal life, that's like having two different personalities, Mario. I mean, like if you have two different personalities, I'm going to, sorry, in this world, most times you're going to have to go to an insane asylum or something like that to be able to get help. <laughs> right. I mean, like if you're multiple personalities, we, we've watched enough movies you know, multiple personalities, up oh, issue, psycho. But it's not that case, but still, I want people to think about that, right? Because I know it resonates when we think about movies going through. We have one life, online, offline, work, personal. We need to be us 100% of the time, on and offline, no matter where we are. And again, 
That's what we'll, we, that means we're integrating truly with what, who we are, all aspects. Integrating with who we truly are. And I think that's so fitting to this conversation because who you are is different for everyone. You know, I can relate to what you're saying in terms of balance. I had this conversation, I remember with someone in, in Tulum a while ago on that we were sitting on the beach and he was like, yeah, you know, you call yourself the freedom architect and yet I see you, you're, you're working so much, you know, you're always occupied in things, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, look at what you have right here. And, you know, why don't you just spend more time on the beach? And I said, my idea of freedom is to do exactly what I'm doing. And I love spending time with people doing this. This is my idea. I, I like sitting on the beach, but not too yeah. long. I get bored, you know? <laughs> I, I like, you know, dipping in, you're tanning a little bit, and, you know, maybe take a day and then spend it out in nature. But if yeah. I do that every single day for extended hour periods, periods of time, I'll be like, oh, fucking beach, stupid ocean. <laughs> I like... You know, I get I get frustrated then. Okay. I want I want to be here. I want to I want to lead people. I want to be on stages and inspire people so they can decide. Hey, what Mario's doing that's excessive. That's way too much for me. What I want him to do is work two hours per week and spend the rest of the time in the jungle on the beach on the mountain. I was like, dude, that's amazing. That's your life integration. And I think right. what you're saying about balance is that there's an idea there that's this is how balance looks. You do X amount in your work. And then you, you know, you lock the door and then you come home. Ah, this is who I really am, you know? And it just creates a false identity of, like you said, there's two different personas. It's like, no, be one. And I see this a lot in corporate realms where Huge. people wear the masks because they're like, but I could possibly never say that. But the reason you're not saying that is because you are not accessing your true potential as a human being. You're trying to find ways around saying what, what needs to be said because you're afraid that your boss might then say, well, I don't want you to work here. And I said, that would be your biggest opportunity. Finally say, this was never for me. Now let me continue being me and let me let, me let my gut guide me to the place where I can be me and thrive in the best possible way. Well, that's true authenticity, right? Like the words used around so much, like I want to be authentic and so many entrepreneurs have played this out, this word. It's like, oh, look at me. I've gone through this hardship, da, da, da. But like true authenticity is knowing what you want, what you, not just what you want, but what you need to be able to thrive. Once you can be authentic with yourself, with yourself in the mirror. And I mean, like I do this every day. I mean, I look at myself and I go, I love you. I love me. I love my body. My body loves me. I do these things. I say these things. These are things that I've struggled with in my life, right? Being able to go through, being able to appreciate what I have. And like that allows me to be able to be centered in my authentic self. So then I can have that integration into the life because if I don't give to myself first, how can I pour from an empty cup? And so many of us do that every single day. Yeah. Pouring from an empty cup and thinking you're actually doing something good. And I often hear people that would say respond to what you just said oh that's selfish you know that's selfish other people come before you you got to take care of your family first and i'm like that to me is the most selfish thing possible because the reason or let's say the most egotistic way because the reason you are overextending giving to others on, at the expense of yourself is is because you think 
When you do that, they will pour back into your cup and that's how your cup is going to fill. That's all, the only reason why you do that in this way. Otherwise, you'd say, no, I know if I truly care about the other person, I make sure my cup is full because then I'm not going to be projecting my own stuff onto them. Then I can be centered and full and then I can really be of service to who they are. So well said. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, that remember I was talking about how successful I was based on monetary values, what other people saw of me and that I did just that. I, I would be able to go in and I would use my money. I'm like, oh, I pay for this or do this or, you know, always cover everything. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, why am I, why am I not happy? And like, why aren't people like excited that I'm, I'm doing this for them? Because I was doing it for me. I was doing that, not for them, even though that's what I was telling myself, man, I'm doing all these amazing things. I'm paying for all this stuff for everyone else, but I was doing it to be able to get that return. Be like, yes. oh my God, Josh, thank you. And then like, I'd feel better about myself because yes. I didn't feel good about myself. So I was doing onto others to be able to get that back in return because I couldn't say to myself, hey, Josh, I love you. You're enough. So I needed other people to be able to tell me that. And then we all, so many of us get caught in this pattern. Man, everybody make sure you rewind this piece and you sit with that and you really reflect because there's a lot of you listening that are over givers at the expense of yourself, thinking that that's somehow going to finally give you what you don't have. And it's never going to work out. You're just as much chasing, you're chasing worthiness, you're chasing approval, you're chasing, like other people are chasing the dollar, that's what you're chasing there, and it's the, what I call this the unwinnable game, you're setting yourself up for failure from the start, and even when you get to this illusory, what you call X, it'll never be enough, it'll never be enough, you'll get to the next peak, and the next peak, and the next peak, and there's nothing wrong with climbing higher peaks, it's fun, but why are you doing it? Are you doing yeah. it because you genuinely enjoy it and it gives you a sense of being alive and you just love doing that? Or are you doing that because you hope that once you get there, finally, ah, finally, yes, I'm alive here. Oh, yeah. Well, people look at that in money too, right? I mean, a good friend of mine, Ron Lynch, um, asked me this question once and it really resonated. He said, Josh, what is money? So Mario, I mean, like any thoughts, right? What is money? Energy. So here's the thing. So many people go, well, money's energy is opportunity. It's, it's happiness. Money is just money. That's all it is. We put human emotions on it and expect to be able to get these things out of it. But the problem is it is a tool. Is it a resource? Exactly. It doesn't have any, any, any emotional ties to it other than what we put on it. So once we realize that money is just money, Money equals money, right? It doesn't equal happiness, doesn't equal opportunity, doesn't equal all these other things. It's a shift. And truly at that point in time, you can start being able to use it and leverage it as what it is rather than what you want it to be and what to, what to become in your life. Very well said. I love that. And it's, it reminds me of human beings being meaning-making machines. We associate so much meaning to something, you know, what, what is this cup? Oh, this cup is peace. This cup is freedom. This cup is just that. <laughs> and and it's, an, it's an interesting exercise that I ask people, you know, if you had no words to me when it comes to the conversation around, you know, 
Why do you want the goal? Why do you want the money? What do you think it will give you? I said, if you had no words to describe to me what that would give you, what would it look like if you acted it out? And people were like, what? what? It's like, yeah, you describe to me what money will give you without using your words. And at some point, somewhere they're like, oh, they're like, they're like, <sighs> you know, something like that. And I say, great, that's what you want. You see, that's what you want all this time. And you can give yourself that right now. You just did. You just did. You just did. You see, it's a, it's a breath. It's a stretch. It's a it's movement. It's a smile. It's, it's fire in your eyes. It's that. It's all the things that we think that we, what we are taught to believe when we watch the Hollywood movies uh, and, yeah. and the Instagrams and the LinkedIn's. And then we see, wow, look at this Grand Cardone guy. He's always smiling. He's always laughing. He's so smooth and oh must be because he's rich great right. that's what i want yeah and the problem is I, I love that i mean i i i can't wait to be i i hope like after this podcast people go in and do exactly what you just said right like what's that feeling close your eyes and like without words like that is fucking powerful brother because i mean that right there puts people in the moment and the feeling because just a simple smile, a simple act of what the feeling that you want will actually make us have that feeling within ourselves and realize that we didn't need the money, the cars, the houses, the, the, the businesses, all the things we can, we already have it within ourselves. We have to be able to tap into it. Yeah. And social media has really put us in a place. I mean, you mentioned earlier here in the United States, I mean, it's, we're on the precipice of a of a, another civil war and, and a much different one than ever before because no one can be able to say and be able to go, oh, I appreciate your opinion. Hmm. Can't do that anymore. They've gotten to a point where you cannot appreciate someone else's opinion or stance and have an understanding of where they're coming from. It's, oh, you like dogs? I'm a cat person. Screw you. <laughs> I don't have friends anymore. <laughs> it's like... Do you hear yourself? And like, we have to be able to start shifting as a society and be bringing people back into being human, right? I mean, that's why I spend so much time helping people remember how to be human online again. How do we humanize the way we are online? And I mean, it's so, so important. I had hope, Mario, like we now have something in common with every single other person on this planet. After going through COVID, we all went through a similar Mm. scenario and that's what as human beings we look for people with commonalities to be able to build bonds with to be able to 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 align with we all have a commonality now that we all went through that was very hard on the entire world cool. why did this not bring us together it did for a, a second and i saw it i saw the beauty of it and then for some reason we allow the, the, the old patterns to be able to step back in even stronger. So true. That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful perspective. I, I, never, I never entertained that perspective that almost the entire world population now has this common experience, this common denominator, that if we want it, we could all relate to from a place of compassion. Correct. As opposed to saying, you know, vaccines are the answer. Vaccines are terrible, you know whatever your perspective on that is, you know, but it's just like, 
the human ego is taking us away from, you know, no, I got to be right. No, I got to be right. And with the time that we still have, I want to ask you, so how does someone create that human connection on online? I want to be transparent, right? I have fallen into this whole LinkedIn machine, reaching out to people, making a connection, then, okay, you know, the reason I'm on LinkedIn is because I want to, I want to make a connection and I want to potentially find people that I can connect, work with as a coach. Great. Then yeah. I had this weird sense in my back of my mind saying, yeah, but it's like, ah, what, what do I even say? Is this, this is totally weird. Like online for me still feels weird. Like yeah. I, I like when people come to me and they ask me questions. I'm like, here are a thousand answers. It's like, hey, if you like that, do you want to talk more? Great. Feels super natural. But yeah. how do you do that, that you create this genuine, authentic feeling on LinkedIn so that someone can do what you're doing? You know, Mario, I, I had to really kind of step back a little bit and, you know, what we're all told to be able to do the funnels, you know, and how to be able to draw people in and stuff of that nature. And I had to kind of step away from what we were retired the last 10 decade or so years on how to be able to, you know, trip wires and, and this and that. And how do we actually get people in and go, how do we actually bring in human? Well. I talked about a little bit, right? Like appreciating people for something they've never been appreciated for, appreciating the little things in life. Like me and what we do, honestly, what I teach and how we do it, I just do the same things that my mom taught me how to be able to treat other human beings. I'm just doing it online. And starting with appreciation is an amazing way to be able to deal with that. Reaching out, especially on LinkedIn, Mario, whoever's looked at your profile, whoever's engaging your content. And honestly, on any platform, you can look at who's engaging your content. When's the last time someone reached out to you on Facebook after you liked their post and said, hey, Mario, I just want to reach out and say thank you, man. I, I saw you like my recent post. You know, too often we don't appreciate that. I'd love to be able to connect with you and find out what pushed you to like my post. Ooh, that's so, <laughs> that's so simple, but so profound. They're so saying thank you, right? It creates a stop on our pattern because most of us are, our pattern and if you ever watched so, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, our, our pattern they've, can, they've built for us is to like, comment, share, post, like, comment, share, post. Yes. To be able to get someone's attention, to get them to hear you. Because what we want to be able to do, Mario, is people want to look for the opportunity. They want to connect opportunity, but they forget that conversations open up relationships. Relationships create opportunity. And they try and jump from one to the end really quickly. So how do we actually have a conversation? Well, Appreciate someone for something I'm appreciate. Thank you for looking at my profile. Thank you for engaging on my content. We connect. We open up for conversation. Now, see on LinkedIn, and this is what people, people get most people pissed off about, Mario. They go on there, and as soon as they connect, they go, hey, you want to be able to sign up for coaching? Hey, Josh, you ever thought about using LinkedIn to get leads? All these other things. We get hit. Immediately. Oh, I hate it. It's just spam. Because what they're doing is if they, they spam a 1,000 people, Mario, and they get the one sale, they go, yeah, you got the one sale. No, you just pissed off 999 people. <laughs> but ah. you treat them like a human being, Mario. I'm going to tell you what's more powerful than one sale. 999 advocates. Because an advocate can bring you 10 opportunities. Same way that you were talking about, people coming to you. So when you treat them like a human being, starting off with appreciation, and then you, when you connect, my mom always taught me to be able to give someone a compliment, man. You know, like going, hey, cool dog, love the hat, great car, whatever it is, right? All these basic compliments. On LinkedIn, as soon as someone connects with me, I go through and I give them a compliment, which is through an endorsement. I can endorse Mario for podcasting, right? Mm -hmm. 
So now I'm going through, and this is how I got that dopamine dealer hit, right? You know, because what I'm doing is I'm becoming a dopamine dealer. I'm saying thank you. I'm being able to give a compliment. They respond back. And I'm not responding to anyone until they respond back to me. I'm waiting for them, waiting for these trigger points. They've taken actions that I respond to. Because we all hate cold call and we all hate cold email. So that's that whole piece, right? Hey, and LinkedIn makes it super easy going, hey, Mario, Josh endorsed you for podcasts and you want to say thank you. They hit that thank you button. And you come back and go, Josh, thanks for endorsing me for podcasting. It honestly shifts out the conversation a little bit because now you've started the conversation. I can then ask about you, find out where you're at, ask a qualifying question, be happy to do it, and then provide value. When you're constantly doing these things, those little dopamine hits put someone in a flow state. Dopamine doesn't put you at a heightened state. It puts you in a flow at a more at ease state, allowing for true conversations to be able to happen. And that's what we're looking to be able to do. And when you do that, you're educating, inspiring people, and they're choosing to work with you, not being sold to work with you. And that's powerful. Bam, man, I just learned a lot. This is great. Thank you for that. Of course, of course. I mean, again, you know, I'm, however I can be able to help, you know, everyone listening or even yourself, like that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to be able to do. I want to be able to educate and inspire people. I want people to choose, right? To be able to make this choice because that's what we always want in this world. And when we start making this shift, we're not only going to be able to do and change, like I have to be able to change marketing. Like Mario, one of my first clients way back when was a company that most people forgot about was MySpace right? Like I actually helped them monetize their traffic. I helped them create one of the first social media ads that were, that were used to be based on a lot of things that are today. So being able to have that shift of monetizing the web, I now am working to be able to humanize it, to be able to shift, not just monetizing a whole bunch of people, but actually adding value. And I think that's the way we all have to be able to do that to make this a better world. And it starts there because so many of us are spending time on social and that's where our patterns are being created more and more these days. Man, that was so good. So, so good. And, and, you know, I can really tell that you're really embracing this journey, that it's real and that you're doing this because you care about people and a byproduct of caring about people just happens to be success in the kind of world that we find ourselves in. And I think it's a lot more enjoyable as an entrepreneur to 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 go along this path doing something that you know comes from the heart that you know as the byproduct it creates success it creates abundance it creates wealth but it's not the main focus the main focus is being genuine being kind being of service and people will remember you for that joshua you've shared a lot of value with us a lot of wisdom and i have one more question for you which i always ask my my um the people that come onto this podcast and that is if you could spend an hour of your time with any person dead or alive who's ever walked the face of this earth who would it be and what would you talk about it's a, such a tough question because there's so many opportunities but in the moment right now appreciating the time that we have I mean, brother, I'd take another hour with you. Because ah. <laughs> we've just had such a, a profound conversation. Like, this is what I live for. This is what I appreciate. This is what I know creates impact. So like for us to be able to get another hour, like actually in person, dude, right now, that's where I'd spend my time. 
I appreciate that, brother. That warms my heart. That's a new answer that I have not received yet. And I'm sure we will spend that hour uh, or more than that. Um, either me coming to you to the US or you coming to South Africa to enjoy some of the African soil. I'll be honest. I'd rather come see you. Because <laughs> I need to get out of where we're at right now and be able to enjoy some time. It's been years, probably over a decade since I've been in South Africa. So I'd be honored to be able to come visit you out there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Joshua, it was an, a, a real pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. And I want to ask you, where? what's the best way that people can connect you? All right. Well, this is, this is what I always love as part of the conversation, right? Like I want people, of course, being on LinkedIn, that's my power platform going in. I'd love for people to be able to reach out to me and connect with me there, but don't just send me a blank connection request, right? Like we're not playing Pokemon on LinkedIn. I'm not trying to collect them all. This is the biggest problem <laughs> to play, right? Like, oh yes, connect, 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 connect. I want people to be able to send me a message and say, hey, I heard you on Mario's podcast. And man, I listened to Mario's podcast because of X, right? Or I, I appreciate Mario because of Y right? Tell me why you listen to his podcast. Tell me why you love Mario. So then I can build a deeper relationship, not only with Mario, but understand where you're coming from. So we can be able to do that connection as well. Man, Joshua, you really are the dopamine dealer. My dopamine just shut up. I'm feeling a lot better already. And I was feeling good before. So, you know, you manage something that not a lot of people get manage. And I really appreciate you for that. So everyone, make sure that you connect with Joshua. As you've heard and seen today, he's really a champion in the game of creating authentic success and really creating freedom from within. Um, I will post all the links into the show notes. Joshua, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. All righty. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to The Self-Doubt Solution. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti, the Freedom Architect. I will see you on the next episode.